to Tuesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to be back with you again for another day. Hope your week is going well so far. Hope this podcast helps you have a good week as well. Hey, um, I have a survey coming out pretty soon. Wanted to mention that to you if you would be so kind as to fill that out. It's a listener survey, fine-tuning a few things about the show, as I always do, as I do along the way, but t- taking a little bit more of a... Uh, a data approach, a little bit more of a kind of a less the less of a one-off and more of a here's kind of a, a big picture look at the podcast. So I'll let you know for sure when that's out. Should be in the next few days here. I'll do another reminder on the podcast. But if you could fill out this survey, it's just like eight. It'll be like eight or nine questions on a Google form. Not not a big deal, no big sweat. But uh, if you could fill that out, it will help me understand a little bit more about what you like about this show, what you might like to see done differently on this show. And, uh, and things like that. So appreciate that. I'll let you know again when that comes out. Today's show, good one. Um, Sarah McClellan from the Star Tribune covers the wild. Uh, will we'll be with me here in just a few minutes. Busy trade deadline for Bill Guerin and the wild. We counted up seven trades that they made since February 17th. A couple of them just the little ones where they picked up late round picks for being kind of a facilitator of salary. But that's a lot of movement in and out for the Wild at the deadline, and I think it made them better overall, helped them strengthen themselves in areas that they were having a struggle, uh, namely offensively. So Sarah and I will get into that. We'll get into the strong defensive play that's kind of carried them to this moment, and uh, and talk a little bit about the goaltending too, which has been excellent, and where that leads them in the future. We'll also get a little bit later on to the Mike Conley Jr. effect with the Timberwolves. Interesting quote from Chris Finch uh, that I saw from our Chris Hine. Want to get into that a little bit. Um, St. Thomas men's basketball season ended um, on Monday night with a loss to a very good Oral Roberts team. So let's let's check in on them for a minute and and talk about uh, talk about that team and its its season and relative to expectations and relative to this market what they're carving out as a college basketball team in the Twin Cities. First, though, what did I miss? Let's talk about Eric Kendricks for a couple minutes here because business is business, right? The NFL is a the NFL is a business. End of the day, it's entertainment. It's a business. They, the teams in this league, the league itself is in this to make money. You don't make bad business decisions and keep making as much money as you normally would. If you pay a player like Eric Kendricks, although I'd, I'd argue that he's not the extreme case of this because he's not all that old. He's not all that deep in his career at eight years. But if you make the wrong decisions on enough players like Eric Kendricks, your business goes bad because then you're paying players that are maybe not as productive. You're paying them a lot of money because they've been in the league for a long time. And then you start losing and fans stop showing up and the, it's bad for business. So Releasing Eric Kendricks on Monday, the first of what we presume are many business decisions this offseason for the Vikings, makes complete sense, right? I think we all saw this potentially coming. If not Kendricks, then pick your kind of pick from any menu of veterans on the Vikings, a lot of them defensive players on a defense that struggled last season, and let's face it, in 2020 and 2021. As it got older, as it got a little bit slower, collectively, pick any number of guys from that defense, um, and, and maybe you would find the requisite number of cuts needed to A, 
make this a younger, faster defense, and B, get under the salary cap, uh, which the Vikings still need to do. They still have work to do to get under that salary cap by the start of the new league year next year. By the way, Ben Gessling will join me on tomorrow's show to talk more about that, and specifically the Vikings approach this offseason and whether they are trying to get under the cap without having to do, at least first, a Kirk Cousins extension. So I think that's a fascinating subject. We got into that a little bit on the Access Vikings podcast that dropped yesterday. You can check that out wherever you get your podcasts. But Ben and I will get into that specific question a little bit more later. But the bigger picture with Kendricks is this. When you take a step back from the business, when you look at everything about the league, when you look at the kind of player Eric Kendricks was and is, when you look at the kind of person Eric Kendricks is, the kind of leader he is, all the work he did a few years ago and continued to do with the team's social justice um, platform, with the social justice initiatives that they brought forward, um, you know, man of the year, sports person of the year, that sort of thing, honored by the Star Tribune a few years ago, that sort of thing. If you can remove the business from it and just look at Eric Kendricks, the person, look at everything he stands for, look at what you would want in a player on a team, then you step back and say, man, this system kind of stinks. We, it, it stinks that a player like this gets to a point in his career where he's still useful, but he's suddenly too expensive or deemed too expensive in the wrong place at the wrong time, a symbol of a defense that failed last year, someone who you know, admittedly looking at him play has lost a step and then has to go. Like, that just doesn't happen in average, normal jobs. And I get that you know, professional football is not an average, normal job. But it just when you take a step back from it, it just stinks. It stinks that a player like that is let go because you would want a player like that in your organization in any other realm, in any other normal realm for as long as possible. So I just wanted to take a, a minute a step back. We're all going to go back to dissecting the cap. I've been on over the cap, um, just looking at you know what roster cuts can we make? What does this look like if you cut this person? Restructure that guy. How much? How much cap room do they then have? Things like that. Um, you know, I'm going to go back to doing that at some point because I understand that's how the league works. I understand that's part of the job, and it is kind of interesting to see how this all fits together. But just in this moment, let's take a moment and say, man. It stinks that it has to be this way, or it stinks that it is structured this way. It stinks that the business is set up in a way that can't reward someone like Eric Kendricks for longer than eight years of a career, and that is just too bad. Kendricks will be fine. He'll get another job. Um, the Vikings' life will go on. You'll keep cheering for them. This is going to happen a few other times this week. Players that you've seen for a long time playing for this team are not going to be on the team anymore because that's the point that they are at in their organizational trajectory. That is just the nature of how this works. And all I'm saying right now is, man, wouldn't it be nice if it didn't have to be that way, even if we understand that that is the way it is. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. All right, I'm happy to be joined by Sarah McClellan, wild beat writer for the Star Tribune. It's been a little while, Sarah, but we were just saving up 
all the trades. I was ca- I counted them up, and I'm sure you are well aware of this. Um, since February 17th, I believe, and, and you know, a couple of these early trades were essentially procedural. Got some late draft picks. Bill Guerin did, but they, Bill Guerin made seven trades, Sarah, from February 17th until the end of the trade deadline uh, late last week. That's a lot of activity. Um, certainly changed the roster, gave them more options, especially offensively for a team that has been struggling to score goals even as it wins uh, at least gets a lot of points lately a lot of close games but a lot of wins lately um sounded like he was even a little surprised that they were quite that active what did you make of kind of big picture and then we'll kind of go through some of these individual moves what did you make big picture of of all the activity I think it was activity that was very much indicative of the team's play these last few weeks and the turnaround that we've seen on the ice because these clearly were moves of a team gearing up for the postseason, bringing in, you know, potentially more scoring depth, um, even adding another defenseman with that offensive dimension to his game. Uh, You know, this was a team that really looks like it is, like I said, gearing up for the playoffs and just looking at how else it can complement what's already been these last few weeks, a very successful team. And if you recall coming out of the all-star break, this team was sputtering. Um, This team looked like it was, could be on the brink of a snowball down the standings and instead, you know, pulled a U-turn and is now, you know, on a season long nine game win streak. So it's been very effective. I think, for them on the ice to get in this rhythm. And I think Bill Guerin's moves just kind of reinforce that um, endorse, obviously the progress, because now this is a team that went from kind of on the bubble in the Western conference playoff picture to legitimately contending for not only the top seed in the central division, but essentially then the top seed in the Western conference. So these were moves, I think that just kind of bolster what this team was probably looking for to get a little better. They've been so solid defensively, but clearly goals have still been tough to come by at times. Uh, but again, it's it's help for the present, but not at the expense of the future. Bill Guerin didn't trade away any first round picks, any second round picks. Uh, I think this still was a team that had a very clear shopping list and they clearly stuck to that. So they were able to bring in help in the interim, but obviously still being very conscious of the future and the cap crunch that's coming with the Zach Parise and Ryan Suter buyouts about to escalate again in the off season. So um, in that sense, you know, having that, that, you know, mentality of keeping an eye on the present, but also being mindful of the future. um, He was still able to accomplish, you know, help for the, for the present team uh, without sacrificing and compromising what could still be, you know, some, interesting times ahead for the team to navigate this budget. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty important. And when I added it up, it was basically net neutral in terms of draft picks. When you count the, when you account for the the greenway trade and the the other ones they got, I mean, they lost a third round pick, two fourths and a fifth. And they lost a couple of players and minor league players in those deals or rights too, but a third, two fourths and a fifth out. And they got in a second, a fourth and two fifths. So basically kind of essentially, even with the draft picks. And that's pretty impressive in terms of how many different <clears throat> players they were able to add in, in you know, got, getting four players at the NHL level. Now, one of them's still hurt. We won't, we probably won't see him for a long time, but you know, only one NHL player going out and that's Jordan Greenway. That, that felt important to me. 
um, <clears throat> as well. Do you feel like some of this, and I, I didn't hear all of what Garen had to say, do you feel some of this was he looked around at the West and at how the Wild was playing and said, you know, maybe there is a chance. Maybe there is an opening this year that there's not. A, there's a lot of good teams, but maybe not one great team in the West, and they could they could compete this year. I think his mindset was more just that he wanted to help this team if he could, and and I think it really just again depended on the prices. And you know, you go back to the lead up to the trade deadline, and when it got really busy, you saw some of the the, the price tags in the marketplace, and it kind of looked curious if Garen would even be able to get into you know into the shopping spree because first round picks were going around and um, it just looked like very steep prices to pay even for you know potential rental help and so I think the fact that he was able to maneuver and still bring in like you said four players um, while only subtracting one bona fide regular roster player from this team um, you know obviously speaks to that the staff's ability but I, I really think that was just just it just was that internal focus of what can they do to make this team better, but without mortgaging the future, because those assets down the road are still just going to be so key to this franchise. So I think it was more about them and their situation because other teams aren't in that spot. Other teams, you see, they're moving their first round picks. They're, they're very much, you know, maybe we're paying some of those steeper price tags to bring in help and the wild, they, they, you know, they wanted that short-term help, that rental type deal, but without paying the cost that could, you know, live on for years to come. And, and they stuck to that script. Now, one of the, the player they did deal, Jordan Greenway, has been here a long time. He's had some good years for them. He, he fills a role this year, even at his own admission, was not his best season. Um, still brings back a second round and a fifth round pick in that trade and does give them a little bit of flexibility with their cap in the offseason because I believe he would have counted about three million dollars a year going forward what Sarah what was it that just wasn't working this year was it the injury was it some combination of you know different kind of that that grief line break broken up at different points what what made it to the point where all of a sudden he was a guy that just wasn't a top nine forward and they deemed him expendable he looked like he was primed for a fresh start. And and Bill Guerin made the point that, you know, when you're out at the beginning of the season, you miss training camp, you're recovering from an injury, um, a player's just playing catch up. And that very much looked like Jordan Greenway's season with the Wild. He obviously had surgery in the offseason on his shoulder. So that pushed back and delayed his start to the season. And then he returns and then ultimately suffers another injury to the same shoulder. Um, so he is just, you know, kind of behind the eight ball. It doesn't seem like he's able to get traction in, in the lineup and as a result you see that that longtime grief line broken up they just didn't have the same sizzle and impact in the past and really when that line was going all three players just looked like they were at their peak and rolling and it was such a force for the wild at both ends of the ice not only as a shutdown unit but a trio that could generate offense so then you have players you know in different parts of the lineup and um you know he him bouncing around in different roles it just looked like he was ready for a fresh start he obviously gets that in buffalo in a situation it sounds like where they could use what he brings and that's still that size um that ability to be a presence in front of the net along the boards um but having said that you know with his exit obviously the wild brings in oscar sunquist and he's the player 
who looking at his resume can very much fit a similar role and and be a four checking presence for this team. He's going to line up with Marcus Foligno and Frederick Goudreau in his first game, which is expected to be obviously on Tuesday against Calgary at XL Energy Center. So, um, you know, they they lose a player who'd been a mainstay here, um, but they bring someone in in Sunquist who I think can play that similar style and still give the Wild, um, you know, that gritty element um someone like i said who can be a real force on the forward check you mentioned sunquist and <clears throat> klingberg and uh and johansson made their debuts the other night in that in that three nothing win or they both played in that three nothing win the other night um and interesting just you know what what they bring to the lineup and, and you'll see sunquist, sunquist and and johansson expected to see them tuesday against calgary and i would imagine uh, and same same with klingberg in that game playing that kind of offensive defenseman role when everybody is healthy now who who at this point are the odd people out and, and how much more kind of lineup flexibility how much better is their top nine I guess now than maybe it was you know before the deadline they have options and they really have versatility because a lot of these players that they brought in can play multiple positions um you know Marcus Johansson can play center and wings Sunquist has that history as well like I said obviously Oscar Sunquist is going to start at right wing but they have options and I think these are also players that can move up and down the lineup um so and that's not even factoring Gus of Nyquist who you know as you said he's on the men from injury um we're not sure when he'll debut but obviously they felt that um bringing him in to have that possibility you know it was worth it for the team to take that chance um for him to heal up in time to be a to be a factor for this team before their season ends but they have options as it looks right now you know if if marcus johansson is is in uh he went back to retrieve belongings so if he's able to get back in time for puck drop tuesday it looks like sam Steele would be the odd forward out up front but then like you said if, if gustav nyquist becomes a factor at some point somebody else then would have to sit. And so, uh, you know, I think it'll probably depend on role, but maybe also to match up. We've seen, you know, that fourth line with Mason Shaw, Connor Dewar and Ryan Reeves, they've had a lot of time together now, but um, you know, could that be maybe where the musical chair is and somebody rotates in and out? Brandon Duhame also is obviously out right now, but he's, you know, he's hurt on the men. So again, that's another player who was playing really well before he got hurt. So they have options. And I think again, that having players who can move around from different positions um, can probably help them. And, you know, as it gets later in the season too, I think as, as it, maybe you start to focus in on maybe what a potential first round matchup could be, um, maybe you see the lineup geared more towards combating the opposition. But again, this is a wild team that really just kind of focuses, I think on itself when it's doing its best and playing their style. And, you know, I don't think that'll change even with these acquisitions. Um, you know, you obviously have the Kirill Kaprizov line with Ryan Hartman and Matt Zuccarello. And, you know, that's clearly this team's best line. But, um, you know, you look the other night and it was, you know, Joel Erickson, Marcus Johansson and Matt Boldy that supplied most of the offense. And, and then, you know, maybe it looks like, OK, if Marcus Foligno and Oscar Sunquist and Frederick Goudreau are a trio, maybe that's more of a checking line. But again, that is a line, too, that has the potential to score. So I don't think you can just put, you know, labels on these lines and I think that's the depth and you know the versatility that the wild really thrives with so again this these moves just kind of reinforce that and reinforce I think the identity that this team has when it's playing its best 
Well, I'm glad you brought it up the other night because you're right. It was a three nothing win, and three qualifies as a goal scoring bonanza these days for the Wild. I mean, two of those goals came fairly late. It was one nothing for a long time in, in that game and into the third, well into the third period. But they did get two. Neither of them were empty net goals. Both of them were good, good goals. So they got to that that three mark. Um, it felt important to do that in that game, and none of those goals came from the Kaprizov line. And it feels like some as good as Kaprizov is and as great as he's been lately with the you know the game where he had the natural hat trick and, and basically beat Columbus by himself and the other game where he had two goals and basically carried the offense as well to take a little bit of the pressure off of him at least potentially has got to be something that was on their minds even if they're not dealing for a number one center right now if that's still a move at some point in the future giving, giving him some scoring help saying Kirill you don't get to do it all yourself that that's got to be important. Yeah, I mean, to bring in three forwards and an offensive-minded defenseman, it, it's clear that this team, um, you know, could use some secondary scoring and just to get more of that lift from other lines than Kaprizov's line. You're right. That was only the second game out of the last four that he didn't supply all of the offense for the team. So, you know, having some more play- players start to contribute. I think it's five different players with that have capitalized over these last, you know, handful of games now um, besides him. So they're starting to get production elsewhere. And I think, you know, it just makes the wild a more difficult matchup to handle. Obviously Kaprizov um, is a world-class player. He's a superstar. He's on the brink of 40 goals for the second time in his career. Um, He's going to find his opportunities, but when he is not the only player that a team has to focus on and the only line that a team you know needs to shut down to have a chance to win uh you know it just speaks to then the depth and really improving this team and having it have a chance to get more than one or two goals a night they usually don't need more than that with the way they've been playing defensively and their goaltending uh a lot of one goal wins but still, as you get into playoff time and the matchups get magnified and it becomes more of a matchup type game and getting top pairing defensemen against the top lines and um, just kind of chasing those matchups, having, you know, more than one line going is going to be key. And you're starting to see that right with that, with the performance of Erickson X line in Calgary, um, those three starting to look like they're building chemistry. Um, it really only, I think bodes well for this offense's potential. Yeah. There's some, some lean games. Oh like, yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, they haven't, what's, what was probably nice for Bill Guerin is that they made it ample, um, not just by winning, but by winning the way they were. It's like, it was very clear what they needed and, but they were still getting the results because like you said, the defense and the goaltending has been so good. And particularly Gustafson. I mean, my goodness, we've, we've talked about him a couple times already, but he just keeps getting better and he's getting, he's looks like he's getting the start again, Tuesday against Calgary, or at least is scheduled to get the start against Calgary is, have we seen a have we seen a wholesale shift yet between you know between him and Flurry? Do you do you feel like that's there's been a change at all? I mean, Flurry's been playing very well lately too, so I don't want to say he's necessarily fully eclipsed him. But like, I just keep having this thought exercise: like, if the playoffs started tomorrow, like, I if I was the Wild, I would want Gustafsson and Net just with the way he's playing, even though Flurry is this you know three time Cup champion, future Hall of Famer, and is playing pretty well lately. That's just how good he's been. That'll be the interesting decision and maybe what happens the rest of the regular season will start to point at what direction they would ultimately go. But they've both been playing well lately too. You know, 
see the shutout in Saturday for Gustafson, but Plurry has won his last three starts. Um, so I think they'll both continue to get their minutes and their opportunity to continue their respective runs. But yeah, I think with Gustafson, what's really what's really stood out to me is just his pedigree and net and his technical base. And you know, there was a there was a sequence early in that game Saturday. Obviously, he ended up posting 31 saves for a shutout, but um, you know, he a puck just hit him. It just hit his left pad. He didn't have to react and uh he just was in the right place at the right time and um you know even he said after the game he felt like the puck was bouncy and he didn't necessarily feel great but he got into a rhythm because pucks were hitting them and I think that just speaks volume about his game about his style and a style that suits the wild it's predictable and I think that is what the Wilds defense is predicated on is that simple style being in the right place, boxing out, uh, getting in front of shots when they can. I think it's really been, you know, obviously the play in front of the, of the crease in Gustafson's performance, they've gone really hand in hand uh, this season. And so it's worked out well. He's been pretty airtight back there. I think two goals or less in 20 of his 27 starts, you know, if you think as a team, you know, you're only giving up one or two goals. And if you can get to three, that's a pretty good recipe for success. And most times they haven't even needed to get to three. There's been a lot of two, one wins lately. So uh, I think if they can continue that, that will really set them up for um, some momentum going into the playoffs. You wonder, okay, they make all these offensive acquisitions. Is you know, is it going to be this big jolt for the offense? Maybe, but if they keep winning 2-1, 3-2, I think that's right up this team's alley. Yeah. Because I think the longer they stay in these types of games, uh, I think it just it bodes well for their future success, especially in the playoffs, because it'll already kind of feel like playoffs, right? Yeah. One goal, one play is essentially deciding their games right now. And I think learning how to navigate that pressure um, learning how to handle those situations. I think that shows great growth for this team, because if you think of last season's team, they scored their way out of trouble, right? Yes. They, they had to win six, five, five, four, a lot of times to be able to have success. And they did. And they it was fun. It was, and it was tons of fun, but it was not sustainable. <laughs> and <laughs> most goals and franchise history, but come playoff time when it got tougher and it and it just really compressed like playoff style does, um, they weren't able to hold up against that. And you really saw kind of some of what the, you know, they kind of called the game management and how to get through a game and how to piece together a win. That's where they faltered and now they aren't. So I think it'll be really interesting to see if they can stick with this style. They figured out this is what works for them. So if they can stick with it, um, how much of a force could that make them come playoff time? Well, they've come a long way from a team that gave up 20 goals in their first three games this year and kind of, you know, learning on the fly to reshape their identity and now certainly certainly getting there. Um, just final question on, on Gustafson, just because it seemed like when they made that trade with Cam Talbot that this was, that Gustafson was, you know, a guy that was young and, and maybe had some upside, but they they could not have had any idea that he could be this good this year, could they? I mean, if you if you got Bill Guerin and you you injected him with truth serum, you could say, Bill, did you think Philip Gustafson was going to be this good? I can't imagine he could have envisioned this year, even if he liked the idea of you know had to get a goalie back in this trade. He's just been way better than they could have imagined. I have to imagine. 
I think there were some underlying statistics there that kind of maybe pointed to a goalie that would benefit from more opportunity, which, you know, and, you know, and a fresh start here in, in front of the wild with their system. Um, but to see him have the numbers that he have where he, he frankly ranks as one of the best in the league, like period. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. And, you know, he was just recently named the third star of the week after his two victories last week, um, third star recognition. He he really has come in and shined. And but I said, you know, like I think if you really take a look at his history, it, it can it makes sense why he's excelling with this opportunity. Um, you know, his his pedigree, as I said, how he was trained in the game, this is essentially, you know, set him up to perform at this level. And uh, the training he received back in Sweden, very technical focused, very much building a base and then as he moved to North America and and you know worked on the game here you see the nuances then and how he evolved to the smaller ice rink and um, the speed that's here but really you know when you think of Gustafson again it's that calm presence right place right time doesn't have to reach for a lot of saves doesn't have to really right. rely on his athleticism to keep him in place he's he's in the play and so I think if you go back and really see his history and then combine it with the play that's he's getting in front of him from this wild defense, it makes sense why he'd have success. And I think he's just proven that, that given the opportunity, you know, again, he was, you know, primed for this, for this spotlight and he's definitely seized it and played extremely well for the team and banked a lot of points for the wild for sure. And what's interesting is his style is so much different a lot of times than Flurry, who, you know, does move around a lot. You don't have to, you don't have to see the 32 or the 29. You kind of know if you've watched for 15 seconds, if there's action in that end, who's in net just because how, how, how they're playing. And both styles obviously have been effective, especially over the course of Flurry's career. But with Gustafson's emergence, and then you think about, you know, down in the minors, Jasper Wallstead, like they, you know, you don't want to get ahead of yourself, but that, you know, that could be a position of strength for, for many years to come. And in, like you said, at an important time when they might not have all the cap flexibility in the world to go out and sign all the scores in the world. So it's got to feel good for them that this is coming together the way it has. Yeah. I think this is a position for the team to definitely, you know, looks like feel competent. And like you said, the pipeline is there too. Walstead is here now in North America playing for Iowa in the American hockey league. So uh, it definitely looks like this could be, you know, position that continues to really guide this team. Like it, like it has, especially really recently with this defensive turnaround and just how, you know, turnaround as opposed from the beginning of the season. They've been playing pretty shut down hockey, I think, for a little while now. But yes. um, whether they've got the goal support or not, but um, it just kind of feels like the Wilds bread and butter, right? Like this kind of feels like this is a throwback to their identity and being built from their crease out. Yeah, it does indeed. And we'll see how far it takes them. But interesting, just an interesting past few weeks for them with all the moves they made and the move they're making up the standings could be in for a fun April, May. We'll see. We'll see how far it goes. But Sarah McClellan will be there to cover all of it, as always. And I'm sure she and I will talk before any of those months come around. Um, Sarah, appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the uh, the week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Always good to get Sarah McClellan on the show. Does a great job writing about the Wild and talking about them on this podcast. Wild getting interesting. Um, just kind of, and I wrote about this on Monday, just kind of looking at the Western Conference for both the Wild and the Timberwolves, who I'll get to here in a minute. 
Um, looking at that, it's just it it's a little bit more wide open maybe than it is in a lot of years, and the Wild very much in play for a higher seed in the playoffs than than maybe we thought, especially a few weeks ago, and they were really struggling. Um, did not imagine that they would be in the mix for something, you know, like a, you know, even if like, even for a top seed, like a number one overall seed in the West, that is still in play for them. It's not likely it is possible though. It's certainly in play for them to get a home playoff series, a top four seed that is certainly in play to finish top two in their division. They're right there with Colorado and not too far back of number one, even. So that to me is interesting that they've added all of these you know, top nine caliber forwards, some offensive defense, um, you know, with with these acquisitions, didn't give up a lot of draft capital, a pretty shrewd deadline for Bill Guerin, who for my money might just be the best uh, general manager in this market. We'll see how these all play out, but I like the way he runs the show. I like how he has a plan and executes that plan. They did it again at the deadline. I don't know what it's going to mean for how this all plays out in the playoffs, but I am pretty impressed with, with, with where they sit right now and uh, and how this could shake out for the rest of the season. A couple more things. Let's finish with the cooler. Number one, St. Thomas season ends against Oral Roberts on Monday, but overall a very good season for St. Thomas, finishing 19-14 and 14 overall, 9-9 nine and nine in the Summit League. Um, you know, pulled a little bit of an upset to get to the semifinals against Oral Roberts and lost this game 70 to 65. Came really close, got it to a one possession game late. Didn't shoot all that well in this game as a team, just uh 33% overall, 29% from three point range, but kind of showing that they are on track. Um, you know, they're not uh, not NCAA tournament eligible for a few more years now as they tra- transition to Division One, but. You know, it's just their second year in Division One to go 19 and 14, and again, different competition than what the Gophers play. Obviously, they're they're you know this is a team that's going to be playing a lot of low to mid major caliber opponents. Oral Roberts, a very good team, 29 and four, but not the same caliber teams you're playing in the Big Ten night in and night out. So I'm not trying to compare apples to apples here. This is a little bit of apples to oranges, but the niche they could be carving out, especially as the Gophers struggle right now. Even if we acknowledge the competition is much different, even if we acknowledge that the Gophers would more than likely dominate a lot of Summit League play, um, this is this is interesting. This is interesting what could happen for St. Thomas, the niche they could carve out, especially if they continue to ascend in a very good second year for them. So I wanted to acknowledge that. I'm curious. They're back on my radar. They're, they're, they're ascending on my radar, and I want to watch more in year three. Let's finish, two with the Mike Conley Jr. effect on Rudy Gobert. Interesting quote from Chris Finch, not surprising, but he said of, of Mike Conley Jr. helping Rudy Gobert, reading Chris Hines' Twitter, I think you see it. The chemistry is obvious. We could have played another 40 games and just began to develop that. He wants it to work, understands how to make it work, and can play well off of each other. I think Rudy has got a pep in his step. I think Rudy Gobert does have a pep in his step. You look at the last six games. These two have played together, which is a 4-2 and two mark and includes four wins on the road against Western Conference playoff contenders. Dallas, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Kings. Uh, you remember Gobert missed the uh, Golden State game, and it's got a couple of team clunkers in there against Charlotte and Washington, East, Eastern Conference opponents. But overall, in those games, Gobert has been very good. In the last five, he's got at least two blocks every game. He was not doing that earlier this year. Rebounding, he's reached double figures in five of his last six games. 
Um, Points-wise, he's hitting double figures. He's routinely becoming a double-double machine. He's hit double figures in points each of his last six games, nothing fewer than 13. you got a 21, a 17, a 17, a 16, a 22 in there, getting a lot of good looks, helped out tremendously by Conley Jr., who knows how to get him the ball, knows where he likes the ball, things like that. So that's something to watch down the stretch. I don't think we can oversell this. I don't think we can overcook this because, because obviously they have chemistry from their time in Utah. How long Conley Jr. is here? He's still got that one year left on his contract. That's a question for another day. How another point guard other than Mike Conley Jr. and other than D'Angelo Russell might mesh with Gobert is another good question. But we are seeing more of that potential unlocked from Gobert. We are seeing a happier player, a more thriving player since Conley Jr. arrived. I don't think that's any understatement. You can see it, and you can see the statistics lining up. So that has has got to be encouraging for the Wolves, unlocking some of this potential from Gobert, the guy they staked so much of their future to. And if they can continue to get that, maybe, just maybe, this trade won't seem so lopsided in the future. That'll do it for me today. Like I said, Ben Gesslin coming up on tomorrow's show. Wolves and Wild both play tonight, so there should be some good stuff on that as well. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Back at it again tomorrow.